0: Welcome to Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church, Avon Park 4.
1: Judgment is inevitable. It's not up for both. It's coming. What a damning judgment upon God's chosen nation of Israel. Love God. Love others. Stand for truth. Don't compromise. God doesn't want us to be happy. God wants us to be happy
0: for joining us for this edition of Living Faith. You're invited to join us as we continue our series entitled, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. For the Hebrew people, life in the Promised Land was a cycle. Though God had promised His people a land of plenty, He also commanded them to remember Him and His law in their abundance. The people became blinded by their prosperity and often followed after other gods, worthless idols. Each time, God graciously provided the voice of a prophet to call his people back to himself and to warn of impending judgment. Amos was one such prophet in this cycle. This shepherd, called from the fields of a small town, was chosen to bring God's message of judgment to a powerful and arrogant nation, a message so very relevant to New Testament believers who were part of Israel's faithful remnant through Jesus Christ. So get your Bible and pen ready, and let's listen in as Pastor John Beck leads us through the book of Amos. Take your Bible, if you will,
1: find the Old Testament book of Amos. I have been saying the last couple of weeks, it is a small book of the Old Testament, and sometimes us preachers, we spend a lot of time in that New Testament, so we don't get a lot of... of uh, time to find Old Testament books. So go to the table of contents if you need to do so. But I want you to follow, find that little small book in the Old Testament, the book of, of Amos. We've been looking at over the last several weeks the, the idea of God's judgment rolling down. Uh, from Amos chapter 5, it talks about the judgment of God uh, rolling down and, and judging his people. But in that judgment in the book of Amos, we understand that there's a, a remnant. Uh, that God is preparing and I know that there are different ways that we can understand that fulfillment you could um, I know some people look at that as a a uh, literal physical fulfillment of the of the nation of Israel Uh, but I think we miss the understanding of what Christ did on the cross Uh, and so I look at that fulfillment not necessarily as a one day the nation of Israel being restored again as God's chosen people but as Pastor Lehman read in Peter, it's a, it's a fulfillment uh, of the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's uh, the remnant of, of the cross of Christ and the chosen people uh, of the church. So turn you wheel to Amos chapter 3. Judgment is coming. Hear this word. I love the way chapter 3 starts. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel against the whole family that I brought out of the land of Egypt. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. The two walk together unless they have agreed to meet. Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Does a young lion cry out from his den if he has taken nothing? Does a bird fall in a snare on the earth where there is no trap that has been set for it? Does a snare spring up from the ground when it has taken nothing? Is a trumpet blown in the city and the people not afraid? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? For the Lord God does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can't but prophesy? Proclaim to the strongholds in Ashdod. And to the strongholds in the land of Egypt and say, assemble yourselves on the mountain of Samaria. And see the great tumults within her and the oppressed in her midst. They do not know how to do right, declares the Lord. Those who store up violence and robbery in their strongholds. Therefore, thus says the Lord God. An adversary shall surround the land and bring down your defense from you and your stronghold shall be plundered. Thus says the Lord. As the shepherd rescues from the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the people of Israel who dwell in Samaria be rescued with the corner of a couch or part of a bed. Here. And testify against the house of Jacob, declares the Lord God, the God of hosts, that on that day I will punish Israel for his transgressions. I will punish the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar shall be cut off, and they will fall to the ground. I will strike the winter house along with the summer house, and the houses of ivory shall perish. And the great houses shall come to an end, declares the Lord. Lord God, we thank you for the truthfulness of your word that you revealed through your prophet Amos to the nation of Israel. We thank you today, Lord, because of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, that you are speaking to your people today through your word, scripture. And just as Amos was crying out for the people of Israel to listen, I pray that your people will listen to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amos was just a farmer. You remember a few weeks ago, he was a farmer. Wasn't really necessarily born or groomed to be a prophet, but he was called to be a a messenger of God out of the fields. And he went to the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, and he, he declared a message, but yet for some reason this message seemed to catch him off guard. And so I want us to look at God's word this morning and think of it this way. Don't let the judgment of God surprise you. You know, so often in life we're surprised at the verdict, so to speak. We we know what's coming, but we're we're surprised at the verdict. And for some reason we think that the verdict should not be the verdict. And so all along we just kind of think, well, I know what the verdict's going to be, but it's not going to be that. That was clear, wasn't it? I had the privilege of being able to go to college and study theology at an undergraduate level, plus to get to go to seminary. What a blessing that was. And one of the greater blessings was that college I attended as a a college here in Florida, the Florida Baptist of College. And so uh, I wasn't that good of a high school student by choice. You know what that looks like, don't you? So when I went to college, I was so excited for the, the privilege that God had given me to study the Word. And so I made it a, a mission of mine. I am going to just be a, a student of the word. I'm just going to be, absorb the word. And so uh, as I was getting through college, I would take a New Testament classes. I just could not get enough of it. I just loved it, loved it, loved it. And so uh, the semester I graduated, I needed one more New Testament intensive. And so uh, I took that over the summer. And the six previous classes, I had made A's in all of my New Testament classes. So I was so excited. What a great New Testament scholar I thought I was. And so I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to take my last class. I'll get an A on that. And at the end of the day, I could say I made A's in all of my New Testament studies. But sometimes summer classes are a little harder than the regular classes. And it was an intensive. And so I went through the intensive. I still studied hard. It wasn't that I didn't study hard. I didn't have senioritis. I I studied hard and did the work. But it was just a tough class. At the end of the day, I had an 88. Now, the grade scale was 88 to B. So I got an 88. I knew what the syllabus said. The syllabus said 88's a what? A B. So I I knew what was coming, but I got an 88. But then I got to be thinking, he's not gonna give me an 88. He knows I've had A's in every one of these New Testament classes. He's gonna give me, not gonna give me an 88. So the grades came out and guess what I got? An 88. So I thought, well surely the grader must have done that. He doesn't, it wasn't that I thought I was special, but I was one of his stellar students. So I made an appointment and said, listen, I, I noticed there's an 88 here. You do realize that I'm graduating magna cum laude, laude laude. I really graduated, praise the laude, to be honest with you. <laughs> and then I've got six A's right here. And, and this is the B, so you know, he said, what did you get? I said, I mean, it's a true story. Not that my stories wouldn't be true, but true story. <laughs> I sat in his office. Matt, you'll appreciate this. Dr. Cook, he now teaches at Southern Seminary. I said, I got an 88. He goes, well, what is an 88? A B. He said, what do you think you deserve? I said, well, an A. <laughs> and for about 15 minutes, we had this dialogue. Well, what is an 88? A B. What does syllabus say an 88 is? A B. What do you think you deserve? An A guess what I got in 88 got what I deserved I knew what the syllabus said I knew what it said but I I can remember thinking not arrogantly but just you know surely to goodness he's gonna understand I think that's where the nation of Israel was I, mean, I know I know what the, I know what the law says I, I know what the Word of God says but surely at the end of the day when it all comes down to it I get what I want I think the church is like that today don't you I know what God's Word says I know what God's Word says for my life, and I know right, and I know wrong, and I know yes, and I know no, and I know what, I know what it looks like to be God's people, but at the end of the day, surely God is not going to follow His Word, and He's going to just kind of base it on my experiences, or what I think is best, or what just works for me. Now, Dr. Bill Cook is not God, and he told me, you get what you deserve. What do you think God's answer is? Amos was pleading for a people to understand who God is and how far they had gotten from him. I included on the right side of your bulletin this week that over the next several weeks, you're going to hear your pastor preach sermon on Amos' three sermons. Amos 3, Amos 4, Amos 5. It's a series of messages to to the nation of Israel about who God is and what God's desire is for their life and what they need to do to get their life right with God. Number one, Amos chapter 3. Amos basically said, I'm going to do something a little differently. I'm going to uh, deal with the first part of Amos and then we're going to skip it and come back to it at the end. So I guess you could look at it there's five points, don't get alarmed normally I do three and I'm always late but I'm going to do five quick point one and five are the bookends they, they kind of say the same thing and, and the rest of the scriptures in between so we're going to address one and then I'm going to come back to one verse one when we get to verse 15 but basically this is what Amos was saying Israel don't be surprised you know Christian to us today don't be surprised with the way things are going because judgments coming and that's basically what he said point one judgment is coming Hear this word the Lord has spoken against you O people of Israel Against the whole family that I brought out of the land of Egypt. He said, listen, you're my people. I know you. I have forgotten you. I, I've led you out of the nation of Israel. I, I got a plan is what God is saying. Aren't you glad that God is, is sovereign enough that he has a plan we sing about it, we talk about it, we read about it. He, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's got a plan. We just think about Him re- ruling and reigning on His throne. He is God. He is God alone. He's got a plan. And He says, I've always had a plan. My plan's always been redemption. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was set apart. In the New Testament, through Christ, the new covenant, the church is set apart. And he says to the people that he loves and he's cared for and that he's ministered to and through, judgment is coming. All that means is that there's a a redemptive timeline in history. When when in the beginning God created, and at the very end, when God comes again, there's a timeline of history that God is in absolute control over. We don't have to worry, we don't have to fret. All we have to do is acknowledge a door and follow after him. He knows that we know that he is on his throne, and he says, Listen, I am coming. Judgment is coming. Hear this, O people. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is saying. I I delivered you out of Egypt. You know I'm your God. Hear what I'm saying. Judgment is coming. Secondly, judgment is inevitable. Now there's a series of seven sayings here. Do two people walk together unless they agree to meet? In other words, the only way two people can walk together is they've agreed to walk together. Does a, a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? No, lion doesn't make any noise, just, you know it. There are were, there were questions, and I, I was thinking about it this week, and I don't want to uh, say anything against a, a, a friend of mine, but I, I'll use Father Nick as an example over the Lady of Grace. since He referenced me in one of his messages a few weeks ago. I said, what in the world is a Catholic talking about you for? And I always tell about it, hey, John the Baptist is in the Bible. He drinks out of a First Baptist Church coffee cup every morning. Y'all didn't know that, did you? Do You know what these seven seven sayings are basically saying to us in our relevant lingo? It'd be like looking at somebody and saying, is the Pope Catholic? And the answer would be what? Yes. Is the Pope Catholic? Duh. And so what Amos is saying, the two people walk together, unless they meet, Does a lion roar. And what Amos is saying, do these things happen? And they're going, yes. And it says, "Therefore, your judgment is inevitable. It's going to happen. For the Lord does nothing without revealing His secret. It should be expected. If we look around today, we should expect God's judgment. Listen, God's judgment is inevitable. There's no way. You know, when the Bible talks about we don't know the day or the hour that He's coming. You know why the Bible says that we don't know the day or the hour?" because we know what's coming. We don't have to fret about God's judgment upon the fallenness of the world. I don't have to fret about God taking me into his presence. Why? It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And there's not one thing that we can do about it. And so I just encourage people, I would encourage you, don't worry and fret. Enjoy the time we have. Enjoy the season that God has placed you. Enjoy people, you know, people tend to say, oh, it's so hard living in America today. Oh, it's so hard living here today. Listen from this standpoint. God's put you on a special mission field. He's put you here as his voice and his instrument and his redeemed people to go and make it different for a time just as this. Because listen, judgment is inevitable. It's not up for vote. It's coming. It's inevitable. Two people meet unless they walk together, unless they meet? No. It's inevitable. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? I look at our our culture today. Now, you think about us today as believers. I can't speak to unbelievers because I'm a believer. I don't know what an unbelievers thinking because I'm a believer. I know what I'm thinking and so when I look at an unbeliever I think sometimes we expect the unbelieving world to act like we do. They're not going to act like we do. They're lost and they're dead and they're trespasses and sin but I do know this as a believer as I look around if you're a believer today and you're looking around you know judgments coming don't you? As you look around and you see the I, I think about our country even I know judgment's coming. Why? Because I see the way people are living in our great land. God has been faithful forever to bless those that bless him and to judge those that disobey him. That's, another, that's without question we know that's going to happen. I was looking at some time and some numbers here and I, I wrote some little things down. In 931 B.C., The two nations were divided. So we had King David for 40 years. We had Solomon for 40 years. And then you had the nation of Israel was divided, the north and the south. So at 931 B.C., they got away from the things of God and began to to live their own way. And so here we're looking at about 750 BC, Amos is prophesying, and then later on, in about 722 uh, BC, we know that, that Assyria does take the nation of the northern kingdom. And so you look at that time frame. Sometimes judgment's quick, sometimes it takes years. You know, 200 and something years, uh, uh, the, the, the nation of Israel had wandered away from God for 200 years before judgment came. I don't know how long we can continue to turn our back on the things of God without judgment coming as a nation. I have no idea. But I know if we continue, judgment's coming. It's like the life of a believer. Have you ever known a believer that's not living for Christ? When you're making unwise choices and living the way you want to live and you wonder, you know, how long can that person do that? I don't know, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you're sitting here today and you don't have Christ as your Lord and Savior and if you're here today and you're not living for the Lord Jesus Christ, I will tell you emphatically, biblically, and prophetically through the Word, judgment is coming. The signs of the times of the Word. I don't need that. I know the signs are I know it's inevitable it's coming God's judgment is inevitable that's what Amos was pleading for them to understand notice what happened here with the na- Now, remember don't, don't lose track of this they are the nation of Israel remember they, God took them out uh, of Egypt remember, you remember how that story goes God spe- delivered them he, he had had their hand on them and he, he took them in the promised land they were, they were special to God They were God's people, and he's telling his own, judgment is inevitable. God is telling Amos, you go tell the enemies. You go tell those that are against me to come and be a witness. Can you imagine that? God is telling the Philistines and the Egyptians to come and to witness what is about to happen. He said, You go and you gather them around Samaria and let them see the great torments within her. God is saying to Amos, You call the foreign nation and you have them peer in, and they will acknowledge the deeds that you are doing against me. And you know, the Bible says that you need to have a couple of people present for the witness to be true. You remember? Could it be that God is saying that foreign nations were looking into the nation of Israel and saying, yep, they've gotten away from you, God. We're the witness. How far we have to go to when the world recognizes how far we've gotten from God. You know, I think about our lives when it comes to that. You know, I'll do a little test for you. Go to work Monday. If you work, go to work Monday. If you don't work, go find somebody you know. Go to, go to whatever you do if you don't work during the day. And I want you to look at a co-worker that you know, but maybe not your favorite co your best co-worker, not your best friend co-worker. And go up to that person and say, you know what, I just love Jesus in the church and reading my Bible and praying every day. And see the reaction of that person that knows you, but not really, really well. How damaging would it be if you were to say, you know what, I really love my church. I love the preaching of the word and singing and the Bible and prayer. And they go, oh, really? That's shocking. You're a believer. You know, I've been there before. You ever been there before? If I, if I went to work one day and went, you know, I just love Jesus. My co-worker said, what Jesus do you love? That's the one I need to love because you don't love, live like you love him. That's what God's saying. I'm gonna bring the lost world in to look at your life, and the lost world will agree that you're not following the ways of God. What a damning judgment upon God's chosen nation of Israel. Fast forward 2015. Who is God's chosen people? The church. What a damning witness that the world looks into our hearts and our lives and they see a people that they can agree with God. Yep, they're not living after you. Judgment is inevitable. goes on to say, They do not know how to do right, declares the Lord. Those who store up violence or robbery in the strongholds. Secondly, it's obvious. What if somebody were to look into our lives as a people today and say, I just don't think God's going to judge us. Oh, yes, he is. And it's going to be obvious because of the way that we live our lives and the things that we do. The judgment of God is inevitable. The judgment of God, Amos said, is obvious that it's coming. And then third... An adversary shall around the land and bring down your defenses among you, and your stronghold shall be plundered. Forty years after Amos made this statement, it was fulfilled. Forty years, the nation of Assyria came in and just absolutely just plundered the city. They took people up to Nineveh and Assyria, and the Assyrians took part of them up there. And then the other part, just to make things even worse, they left some Israelites there, and they remember where they were going to stand and watch? Samaria, so keep that in mind, Samaria. They were watching from Samaria what all was taking place. The Assyrians came in. They took some others away, but just to do the worst that they can do, they left some there, and they said, You know what? We're going to let these Assyrians pick some Israeli wives, and we're going to let the Assyrians come into Israel here and raise their families and mingle with these women and mingle with these men. Now fast forward to Jesus' time. Why did the southern kingdom hate Samaria so bad? Because they were not true Jews. How far reaching is the judgment of God when we turn our back on Him from generation to generation to generation? As the shepherd rescues the mouth of a lion, two legs and a piece of an ear, you might be saying, What in the world does that mean? In the Old Testament, in Exodus 22, when they were giving the laws of the, of the, of the people, if, if, you, if, if Pastor Lehman gave me his sheep and said, Brother John, John the Baptist, take care of my sheep, and I'm out there with the sheep, and all of a sudden a wolf comes and eats the sheep, if I go back to Pastor Lehman and say, Pastor Lehman, guess what happened? The bear ate the sheep. Prove it. Okay, I'll be right back. Then I go over here and I get the little piece of the sheep and go, there it is. He goes, okay, that's proof enough. God says, when I judge the nation of Israel, you'll find broken pieces of cots and furniture laying around. And people will come in where the desolation took place, and they'll say, did it really happen? Yep, it sure did. I wonder how many of our lives lay in ruin like that right now. Our life is a ruin of what it used to be because of the judgment of God upon our lives. People after people after people after people have fallen under the judgment of God but he has provided a remnant and that remnant is Jesus Christ when God judges his people he says it is absolutely complete so here we have uh, the judgment of God remember I was talking about the book ends, the judgment of God it is coming it's inevitable it's obvious and it's complete let's look at those last few verses the judgment of God is righteous and just. I don't want an 88. I want an A. I know we got teachers in here. How many teachers have heard that from parents? But I've always gotten A's. Not this time. Dr. Cook, you don't understand. I'm this close. Yep, you're that close. It's not fair. Oh, yes, it is. You got the syllabus how many weeks ago? God wants us all to get along. God wants us all to, to just do what we want. God wants us all to be happy. I'm going to tell you that is a lie from the depths of hell. God doesn't want us to be happy. God wants us to be holy and set apart and to love him. God's judgment, as terrible as it may be, is just and righteous. And I'm going to tell you, it may sound hard to to grasp that. I'm going to tell you, I want him to be just and righteous. Notice what it says. On that day I will punish Israel for their transgressions. What were those transgressions, you may ask? What was it that he was doing? What was the transgressions? Why would God cast such a judgment? Why would God? What would it that God would do that he would annihilate somebody that was his? What would it take? There's two things they did. What made his justice, what made the judgment just and righteous? Notice the two things that they did. Idolatry and luxury. Those were the two things they did. When the, when the, temple, when the, when the kingdom was divided in 931, the, the northern kingdom said, you know what, we don't want our people going to the southern kingdom, to Jerusalem, to the temple. Why don't we build our own? Why don't we do this? Instead of having our people go to the temple in Jerusalem, we'll create our own temple worship. We'll create religion the way we want it. We'll just say, hey, what do y'all want out there when it comes to religion and, and worship? And we'll just do it your way. The first place God goes when judgment comes is where? Idolatry. I was talking to a group of men today. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know how we can have ecumenical associations anymore. Doesn't that sound terrible? We're in a day and age to where if, if the phone rings and somebody says, hey, a bunch of us ministers in Highlands County are going to get together, I walk in the room and go, well, can somebody tell me what we stand for? Is that sad that we have to do that today? Hey, we're going to all get together and we're going to do some pulpit swaps. Won't that be great? Yeah. Could you imagine that? Anybody read the Highlands County paper last week? When there are people in pulpits all over our nation that are saying God's word is not God's word, that it's just there for kind of a guide, but what's better than anything else is your experience. Could you imagine what would happen? I would pray that if I opened up the pulpit to somebody like that, that I would get leprosy on the front pew watching it. And two deacons do me like they did in the New Testament. Just take me out back and throw me in the hole because I hope God takes me. Just because they got church across the door or somebody says they believe something, the first place God says, I'm going to destroy this whole nation, I'm destroying you because of your worship. See, that's good news to me because we have the Word of God. We know how to worship. I get so discouraged when people say, well, we have found a a preacher. I think we're going to try to make it Sunday. I just want to say, well, if y'all knew what I wanted to say all the time, (laughs) y'all would be proud of the things I don't say to people. Well, bless God. I'm glad you fit God in your timetable. Come on and worship. You're not worshiping. You're just taking up space. And that's sad. The first place God judges is religion. What if the nation of Israel would have said in there, well, can't we just all, we're all just getting along, Amos. We're just all getting along in the name of Yahweh. We're all getting the name along of Jehovah. And God said, that's not Yahweh. That's not Jehovah. And he said, I'm going to come into Bethel, the house of God, and I'm going to judge the altar, and it's going to be inevitable, it's going to be obvious, and it's going to be complete. Then he says, I will strike the winter house along with the summer house. And he goes, I'll tell you, there's, two other, there's another thing I'm going to judge for. Luxury. I was I was dialoguing with somebody about our Christian heritage. And I tell people, we, we do have a Christian heritage, but I just like people to think a little bit. Oh, we need to get by forefathers to be rolling over in their grave right now. And I, and I always think, now would this be the ones that drove out and slaughtered all the Indians' forefathers? Those forefathers? Or would it be those that brought the slave ships from Africa, that that realm of being a Christian nation? Or or maybe when we were burning witches at the stake. You talking about way back then when we were a Christian nation? Never thought about that before, have you? See, even our great... And I tell you, you know I'm an American. Proud to be an American. I'm about to start singing. Proud to be an American. God judges social injustice. He blesses us so that we can bless others. You don't just... Run in there and run people off because this is our land. You don't bring people in because this is our land. You just don't do, you know, you don't treat people that way. God said, listen, I blessed you so that you could bless others. And with that blessing, you built other houses, you built other homes, and you just, the rich were the rich, but the poor were the poor. God said, I'm judging that. What does that mean? God judges us by the way we treat others. You know, I look at our our country today, and I'll be honest with you, I get soaked. Every time I hear police, arrest, killing, I'm just like, not again. And I tell people, this is not a white or black issue. This is a hard issue. People just need to treat others right, regardless of what color they are. You know, we are all red, yellow, black, and white. We're all what? Treat people right. We asked Jesus to forgive us when we were sinners, but we can't treat our brothers and sisters right. God says, I'm judging that. And I'm going to have other nations be a witness to that judgment. Isn't that consistent? Love God, love others, worship God, respect others, respect God, respect others. Throughout Scripture, that's what you see. God says, I'm going to judge because of that. It's not about political party. It's not about agendas. He said, just love me and love others. There's no prejudice in heaven, by the way. That's why we pray for our enemies, that they can meet Christ. Love God. Love others. Stand for truth. Don't compromise. Love out loud. Make a difference. Judgment's coming. And I think about that as a believer. You know what my goal is to stand before Christ? I'm not perfect. But I know when I'm trying my best. I'm a pastor, but I know I'm not the best pastor in the world, but I know when I'm trying my best. I know what Christianity looks like, but I know I'm not the best Christian in the world, but I know when I'm trying my best. I know I, I, know I need to treat people right, but I know I don't treat people right all the time, but I know when I'm trying my best. That's what Amos is saying. Just try your best. Love God. Treat people the way Christ treated you. Because judgment is coming. I will strike the winter house along with the summer house, and the houses of ivory shall perish, and the great houses shall come to an end, declares the Lord. Do you know God? Do you know God like the Israelites knew God in Amos' day? Maybe you're religious like the northern kingdom. God's going to judge that. Or are you walking close to God like Enoch and Elijah. He'll bless that. He provided a remnant. That remnant is the gospel of Jesus Christ. God fulfilled that prophecy in 722 B.C. The northern kingdom was no more. Where do you stand with your relationship with a holy, righteous, fair, just God? He paid the price so that we may know him. And that we can love him. Let's stand as we pray. Lord we thank you for your righteous judgment. Upon mankind. We thank you. For Amos. And his availability. To proclaim your word. We know that judgment. Is right around the corner. We anticipate it. And we know it's coming. But Lord until that day. Let us know that we are yours, your covenant people. That we have trusted the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross for our salvation. By grace, through faith alone, we know that we are saved. We have repented of our sin. We have placed our faith in you. We have committed our life to you. And we are fearing and adoring and worshiping and following after you as our Savior and as our Lord. And know that you will honor and bless that. Lord, your grace is so amazing. We have been set free. Let us realize that through the gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: That's all for this edition of Living Faith. Listen in every week for more from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. You don't want to miss any of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. Our senior pastor, John Beck, will be walking us through that important Old Testament book for the coming months. For more information about First Baptist Church of Avon Park, just go to fbcap.net. You can find us on Facebook by simply searching for First Baptist Church, Avon Park, Florida. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash FBC Avon Park. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. Our Sunday service begins at 1045. You can find all this information and more at fbcap.net. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time on Living Faith.